Welcome to Pastor Potluck. I'm Court Green, and it has been a while since we have done the show. So, update on the last, what, six months or something. Uh, Peter decided that he was having an existential existential crisis because he was on a podcast called Pastor Potluck, and he no longer carries the title of pastor. He's been defrocked. He has not been defrocked. Yes, he, he was a frock, and he is no longer a frock. And he just is not serving a church. Yeah, He's so, not defrocked. So he doesn't, he doesn't, he, he told me he wants to come back on the show once we get it going, which is now, but he's not on it yet. Um, but he did not feel like it would be, I don't know, what's the word, consistent or um, the opposite of disingenuous, ingenuous, <laughs> genuine, if he were to be on a show called Pastor Potluck and not a pastor. So yeah. Peter is still around and still local to us and he's still our friend, but he is not currently serving a church and therefore doesn't want to be the co-host on Pastor Potluck. And he is, what is he doing? He's, you know, he's doing hospice stuff. Yes. And, and he's looking for something else. Yes. Part-time. We're all looking for something. Else, Aaron. <laughs> and so I am going to welcome, we made it Facebook official, official during the summer. And then we both have had crazy schedules. Mm-hmm. And so we haven't been able to get together. We're going to try to get together uh, more than once every four or five months, maybe every other week or something. And so our new co-host for pot, Pastor Potluck is Aaron Alyssa yes. Grot. Right? Grot. Grot. It's a long I, I didn't know how to <laughs> know. pronounce it. Yow. Yes. Okay, let me start over with just Aaron Yow. Yeah, that's Aaron is, you know, we can't have Pastor Potluck without a Methodist, and therefore she is uh, the pastor of Central Methodist Church, which is just over the hill from where I work at Canton First Baptist. Erin, mm-hmm. welcome. Tell us about yourself. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Um, and... Thank you for twisting my arm to me and get me here. <laughs> I pretty much just took it around your shoulder seven times. Yeah. It, was, it was a bit yeah. of a twist. It was. It was. Um, so what about myself? Um, so, yeah, I, I'm the pastor of Central United Methodist Church in Canton. I've been here three years, um, but I've served as a pastor for 16 years now. Mm-hmm. It's been a while. Um, I... I am married, have two kids, and when you have kids that are in school, they're in elementary school, uh, your life pretty much revolves around them. That's true. Um, So a lot of my life right now is uh, the church and my kids, but um, when I get the time, I love to get outdoors. I got to get into the woods. Um, And I don't know what else to say about myself. Well, let's talk about some things that may... um... I don't know, give our viewers a map of our existence. So, m- viewers, no one views us. I was just thinking. Uh, listeners. So, I, for instance, have kind of always circled Charlotte. I was born in oh, Charlotte, yeah. moved to Mooresville, which is just north of Charlotte, then kind of went counterclockwise around Charlotte. So, I went, I went to college, and then I went to um, – a Methodist school, actually. Really? And then transferred to a Baptist church. Went to Greensboro mm. College and uh, then yeah. um, Baptist school, Gardner-Webb. So it, anyway, so I, I went to Salisbury and then Albemarle. So I've gone to, huh. let's see, two, 245 to Charlotte and then down to, as, as you're looking at the clock, 420 or something, to Charlotte, 
and then um, I circled on around to like seven o'clock to Charlotte, which is Shelby. Okay. And gotcha. now I'm no yeah. longer Charlotte adjacent. I moved to Asheville, yeah. Asheville area, Canton, and so those are my travels. Um, and I, you were not born in Charlotte. No, no. So I was actually born in Connecticut. Mm-hmm. I'm one of those. <laughs> Did you go to Florida first or come straight here? No, I came straight here. Okay, so you're, you're, you still have to go to Florida, then come back. <laughs> well, I visit Florida once in a no, while. No, no, you got to live in, there. that's the way it works. I, I have no desire to live in Florida. But, like like um, Peter took it beyond that. He went all the way to Ecuador and then and then back. Yeah. So he's more than half back. He's Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Uh, no, I grew up in Connecticut and uh, came to North Carolina for college, went to Catawba. So okay, I know Catawba. Yes, because of the Gardner-Webb connection there, too. Um, we played each other in sports. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. I didn't realize that. Yeah. I didn't play any sports. Well, neither I did I. I did at Greensboro College. I played football there. Really? And then, But I, I knew Catawba because I lived in Salisbury. Yes. So I, I figured we had run in the same... We've been in a lot of the same places or similar places. Keep going. I'm sorry. So from Catawba, I went to seminary in Atlanta. Okay. And then came back, was in Kannapolis for four years. Which is also Salisbury, Charlotte, Concord adjacent. Yes. Yes. And then was in Weddington, so South Charlotte Mm -hmm. area for several years. And um, before moving here was in Belmont, so Gaston County. Yeah, right. Um, so that so Shelby, where I was before moving here, and then you got Charlotte, like it's the hub of all these places we're talking about, and Belmont is just a little bit past halfway to Charlotte. Yeah. Would you say from Shelby? Mm, Actually, yeah, it's, pa- kind of like right on Charlotte's Charlotte. front porch. Yes, yeah. yeah. It's like the last growing suburb Shel- of Charlotte, or not Shelby, but Belmont is where Gideon and I stopped and got. Bojangles on the way to the Panthers game, so that's that's how close it is to Charlotte. Yeah, it's right it's there. Right there. Yes. So yeah, I mean, most of my ministry has been in the Charlotte area. Okay, what's your favorite North Carolina restaurant? Favorite North Carolina restaurant? Yes. Don't that's bring that question. South Carolina garbage in here. I don't have South Carolina. <laughs> Do they even have restaurants down there? I don't know. They don't have they, just, they all have like yeah, just it's holes all just in the back <laughs> Sorry, South Just Carolina. Go, go scrape it off the road and put it on the grill. Yeah. <laughs> um, North Carolina restaurant. I mean, we I enjoy Bojangles. Um, you know, they didn't have Chick Fil A's in the North until recent, and really? so yeah. Hmm. Um, so when I moved to Salisbury, go to Catawba, like that was my first Chick Fil A experience. Such a preacher answer. I know the Lord's chicken. <laughs> I actually don't like. I like the lemonade at Chick Fil A. It's like my favorite thing. The waffle fries are okay. Yeah. But I, I, fast food. I want Bojangles. Give me that anytime. In North Carolina, though, I mean, you know, Chick Fil A's from Atlanta. I know it is. Dirty Georgia. I'm chicken. sorry. Yeah. <laughs> you, do a, you, you do a good Southern accent. <laughs> I know my friends up north are. They tease me all the time all right, about my so Southern accent. Here's what I hope happens with the addition of. Aaron. By the way, this is not my show that Aaron is on. We are equals. But um, when when begging and begging Aaron to do this, which I was doing before Peter left. Yes, I was like, come were. on the show, come on the show. Yeah. And you're like, I don't think so. I think I did it like once. <laughs> and I wasn't there. <laughs> I yeah. So uh, I'm hoping to get a perspective that we haven't had mm. unless we've had guests. 
like we've had Jocelyn, we've had Nicole, we had you when I wasn't there. We, we've had Jeannie, several female voices, but it'd, it'd be nice to have a consistent one. And so that's one of the things that I'm hoping. Mm. Um, it sounds so manipulative to get out of you, but you know, <laughs> I'm hoping you bring that to the mix. And we'll, we'll have other guests, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. I don't know the future. Could happen. Um, you mentioned having uh, elementary school kids. I pray for the day that Ezra goes to elementary oh, yeah. school because life is easier when they're there. in school. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. always like somebody else take him for a couple more hours a day. <laughs> you know? and, and what you get with elementary school is this wonderful, like schedule. Yes. And I don't mean just someone else has them. It's like, there's a constant during the week. Mm-hmm. And so, I I got spoiled with that with Gideon. All of a sudden, here's there's yeah. this baby who's now a one and a half year old, and it's just starting all over again. Mm. And I'm too old, you know. <laughs> yeah. I'm 42, and and so I don't know. Anyway, so I just wanted to um, say count your blessings. I know yeah, that it seems no. it seems rough to have an elementary school schedule, but no, it's oh great. My God. I'm right there with you. Yeah. The summer was rough when they were out of school. All right, so since we last discussed things, um, I don't remember what we talked about on the show last, except Peter was leaving. And it was like, oh, goodbye, Peter, we're going to miss you. And, and, and that was the gist of the show. So we're going we're gonna to continue to do the same type of thing that we have done, which is discussing the lectionary text. And Aaron has elected for this week, I mean, the lectionary did, but there's five of them. And we're only talking about one. Yeah. And so she, and I don't care. That's, that's my stance on all of it. I don't care which ones we talk about. So she did have an opinion and she wanted to talk about Philippians 3, 4, B through 14. Now, in the past, I was the reader, but I don't want to be. So if you oh. want to be, I can be. Okay. I know how to read, but if you want to be, that's fine too. Okay. I'd be glad to read. Um, I'm reading from the Common English Bible. If anyone else has reason to put their confidence in physical advantages, I have even more. I was circumcised on the eighth day. I am from the people of Israel in the tribe of Benjamin. I am a Hebrew of the Hebrews. With respect to observing the law, I am a Pharisee. With respect to devotion to the faith, I harassed the church. With respect to righteousness under the law, I'm blameless. These things were my assets, but I wrote them off as loss for the sake of Christ. But even beyond that, I consider everything a loss in comparison with the superior value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. I have lost everything for him, but what I lost I think of as sewer trash so that I might gain Christ and be found in him. In Christ, I have a righteousness that is not my own and that does not come from the law, but rather from the faithfulness of Christ. It is the righteousness of God that is based on faith. The righteousness that I have, come, that I have comes from knowing Christ, the power of his resurrection and the participation in his sufferings. It includes being conformed to his death, so that I may perhaps reach the goal of the resurrection of the dead. 
It's not that I have already reached this goal or have already been perfected, but I pursue it so that I may grab hold of it because Christ grabbed hold of me just for this purpose. Brothers and sisters, I myself don't think I've reached it, but I do this one thing. I forget about the things behind me and reach out for the things ahead of me. The goal I pursue is the prize of God's upward call in Christ Jesus. So one of the things we didn't talk about was hobbies. Um, ah. And I don't know why I brought that up now, but we probably should talk about that at some point. Pursuing the prize, racing. That may have been it. That may uh-huh. have been it. Because I don't race, but you do. Uh, not so much. I mean, I, I do a little bit. So I... I was not an athletic child, um, and anything having to do with hand-eye coordination, I'm no good at. Mm. So, so not going to be going to the gun range or anything? No, no. Um, but in my adult life, I, I enjoy running. Good. Um, and it's more of a stress relief thing for me now. So this whole pressing to the goal yeah. subconsciously must have been the reminder. that. Yes, I think that probably was it. Stupid things doing stuff again. <laughs> There. I have thrown my phone across the room, ladies and gentlemen. You won't hear that again. All right. So uh, why did you pick these verses? Um, you know, just given the lectionary, what was given, I felt like this was the one that I was the <laughs> Making most... Making the best of a bad situation? Yeah, no, I mean, this was the one that I, I'm the most familiar with. I've preached this text several okay. times. That makes sense. I, And it is a very popular Paul yes, text. Yes, it is. But I... I I do preach Paul because I know it's expected. Yeah. How terrible is that? <laughs> you don't I, like Paul, do you? I don't hate him. I appreciate what he does, not does, but did for the church. But I feel like, you know, there were probably other voices that were doing the same thing at the same mm-hmm. time. And we just have, like, so much of the New Testament is Paul. And the problem with that, and I'm about to be very heretical here, <laughs> the problem with that is that people are like, well, it's in the Bible. And, like, Paul yeah. is, like, God Jr. Uh-huh. And I don't think even Paul would have said, hey. Take this as I'm I'm gospel. God. Yeah. yeah. Paul never intended for this. just writing letters. Mm-hmm. You know? Just because he wrote a lot or people saved a lot of his stuff doesn't make him. There's, like, God, the Father, the Son, Paul, and then the Holy Spirit. Ooh. You know? The Holy. Yeah. I think you're what right. You know, a lot of people do put not Paul Trinity, in front of but the Holy Spirit. What would four be? Uh, Quadruply. What is it? Was it <laughs> I don't no, know. Nostradamus did quatrains? Is that what? Uh, I don't. Anyway, know. so it's it's not a a it, he's not on God's level, but people do elevate his opinions to that, mm-hmm. and then especially with the stuff that we can almost pretty much conclude that he did not write. Yeah. But then it says Paul on it somewhere, right. like Timothy. Uh-huh. And I'm about to bring this up. People attribute like first, Hebrews your to first, him, too. And, yes, yeah. but you, your, first, your first foray into co-hosting, and I'm going to do it. So they bring Women in this. Yes! Silent. Not only that, but like, no, no, Deacon should be a woman or, or a man. and it, Because some dude wrote it somewhere. Yeah. And now we take that and we say, well, every church should be run that way. Yeah. Why? Because Paul said it. Who cares? No, well, it's, that's not because Paul said it. Some of the people, I'm, and I'm being, I want to be fair here because they're not theologically trained, but some of the people that are so just 
rigid on this issue. And just to clarify, because we've we've talked around it, we're talking about women in the pulpit, mm. or or just non men in the pulpit. I don't. And I mean, it can I be whatever, yeah. but um, they they don't say because Paul says it. Mm. They say because the Bible says it. Right. So and and some people have even this not at this church, thank God, but at my last church, people would say, "Well, my Bible says such and such." And I'm like, "It uh, doesn't say that." Uh, and they're like, "Yes, it does." In the footnotes, someone wrote that. You know? <laughs> and are you saying you're smarter than this guy? I, I ain't saying I'm smarter than him. I don't know him, but he's wrong. You yeah, know? Yeah. Um, and so I get I get a little fired up about it. I know you do. I know. I think you get more fired up than I do. And that's that's. I wonder about kidding. you sometimes. No, I'm just I wonder kidding. about me too. I, I, it's not because I think that I have to be the Jesus for women pastors. It's because I love the church. Yeah. And I don't love what we men are doing to it. Hmm. And also, Baptists are about to implode over it yeah. again. Again. And so I, I do get fired up about it mm-hmm. because I love the church because of the people in it. And I hate that so many of them are misread misled mm. and and misread I, I hate that they're reading crap um and and i i just feel like we can do better and it's not that i'm saying we should take the baby and throw it out with the bathwater and just say well forget paul because we're going to talk about paul yeah if i can find a way to get us back to it <laughs> i was but, just thinking how do i circle us back that, that's to pastor this? potluck that's what, that's what you get um but it's not that i think we should get rid of paul I appreciate what he did. I am a missiology guy, mm. which is, we call it intercultural studies now, but it, it's the study of missions. Yeah. But it's it's my thing, and I respect Paul greatly. But I think that had he known, hey, this is going to go in something called the Bible, mm. and people are going to be still copying me 2,000 years from now, right. he probably would have worded things differently. Mm. or. Or, and sometimes he does do this, he would have said, now this I mean for everyone, this for just y'all. Yeah. He does that in places, oh, to his does. credit. He'd probably done it more. Yeah. You know, so. I mean, and you have to keep in mind that Paul was writing to specific groups of people in specific contexts. My New Testament, yes, New Testament professor in seminary. Smartest guy I ever met. He's dead. Um, I feel re- I felt really like forty hit me hard because I had lived I had then lived longer than him like he uh-huh. died way young. Um, it's Dan Goodman and he gave and he he told us when we were reading Paul to imagine two big giant pitchers hmm. and one is labeled uh, or containers and one is labeled occasional and one is labeled universal. Okay. And what is Paul pouring these words into? Mm-hmm. Is it the occasion that he's dealing with in that community? For instance, the Corinthian women who wouldn't shut up? Yeah. Or is it universal? All mm-hmm. women should always shut up. Yeah. You know? I mean, clearly it's not all women. He had women in Careful ministry now. with him. Oh, okay. Not, <laughs> oh, my gosh. Paul had some women now. <laughs> well, they were partners in ministry. And, yes. You know. And and it seemed like he meant equal partners. It yeah. seems like he didn't mean and and here's you know Eunice. That's not one of them. But here's Eunice, and she's like a junior partner yeah. in our ministry. It wasn't like that. No. All right. So back to the let's scripture. talk about Philippians. Um, 
He starts off with his qualifications. Mm-hmm. And they all happen to be Jewish qualifications. It seems like he's addressing something, you know, the other side of the correspondence that we don't have. Right. So someone is making some claim somewhere that they are more qualified to f- speak because they're really, really good Jews. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So what do we do with that, with Paul's qualifications? Do they do they speak to us at all, or do we just ignore? Good for you, Paul, and move on. No, I mean, I don't think we ignore them. He's clearly making a point here. And, you know, you have to remember that there were people coming along trying to convince the Gentile converts that they needed to be circumcised. And, um, you know, before these verses, actually, Paul talks about it, like, watch out for those people. And so he's trying to make a point, like, hey, I'm one of them. Mm-hmm. Like, I follow all these laws and have for my entire life. And that doesn't mean that the rest of you have to. Okay. So where do we draw the line? With like, what laws to like, follow and yeah, what not is to. Is that what he's saying? Like, we get to choose? No. I mean, I don't think he is at all. I think... Obviously, we can still have barbecue, though. Yes, and of bacon. course. Yeah. And wear polyester. I didn't think about that. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if I wear polyester. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> so, but yeah, so where do we draw the line? Like, mm-hmm. like, is there some, and does he offer us something that can help but like serve as a, a guiding post or, or whatever, to give us some guidance as to what rules we should follow or what we should include in our morality? Mm. I mean, I don't think he's throwing out all laws by any means. I think he is trying to say what is important is Christ. Okay. It's finding your righteousness in faith in Christ. So verse 8, I think, kind of drives home the point you just made. More than that, I regard everything as lost. So it would be if you stop there, mm-hmm. you might consider him saying, I take that entire past of following all those laws, blameless. No one's blameless. But it's, Paul thinks he was. Um, blameless in the law. Throw that all out. So you might would then assume that Paul is saying that it's all wor- that the law is worthless. Mm. But he's doing this comparison. I consider that as a loss because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ. Yes. The thing about Christ is he did not throw out the law. No. He didn't say, in fact, he was specific about the fact that he did not come to abolish the law, mm-hmm. but to. Isn't that terrible? I can't think of the wording. Completed. Right? Uh, okay. Yeah. Something. He like was that. a reformer. Yeah. He, he, he didn't want to completely diminish or... Um, jettison mm. the law he wanted to bring it back to its original intent and so the the entire point of verse 8 I think is to do what Jesus did by example which is to do the law to follow the law mm-hmm. in the way that he did the question then becomes what does that look like what does doing the law Jesus like, Jesus style look like? Well, you got to go back to the Gospels and what Jesus said and what Jesus did. And he was all about the heart of the law, not 
the letter of the law. So. Love God, love neighbor. That's right. Dude takes 613 commandments. Yeah. And turns them into two. Right. It's amazing. It is amazing. Now, I think that one of the most important things we can do with Paul or anyone in the Bible is to try to find what it looks like today. Mm-hmm. If we were to, to practice verse 8 today, in other words, not get so fixated mm-hmm. on our past, which he'll, he'll talk about later, that we stop worrying about what we've always done or are we doing things the right way based on what our granddads told us. Right. Um, and, and so if we were going to do the law of Jesus style today, and not focus on every single nitpicking little thing Hmm. and just love each other. Love God by loving each other. Mm -hmm. How would the world look different? Oh my gosh, it'd be completely different. I mean, wonderful because I'm in a series now called Utopia. uh I haven't actually preached in it yet. (laughs) Father Tim last week and then Kevin next week. But um, setting it up perfectly so just you know don't let that affect your answer <laughs> what yeah. would the world look like what would the world look like oh man so much less judgmental i mean we're dealing with a lot of this being a united methodist pastor like we deal we are in the middle of this like if we would just love each other things could be completely different how how would it be different? Like, if we loved you, like, are you saying that if you disagree with someone, you can't love them? No. I mean, I think we've lost sight of how to disagree with someone um, and not hate them, you know? <laughs> like, well, that is not a uniquely Methodist thing. I know. Yeah. I know it's not. It's the world. Well, I was thinking Baptist. <laughs> you can make it the world. But it's true. Like, what you just said is true. Like, the whole world, oh, oh, ah, let's just say the Western Hemisphere, okay. has decided that you either agree. In fact, they don't even care about right or wrong anymore. Mm-hmm. It's you agree with me or you're evil. Yes. If you disagree with me, you are clearly the enemy. Yes. And because I'm good. Yes. And if you disagree with me, you're the opposite of what I am, which is good, mm-hmm. which makes you bad. bad. Right. Even if they are, who cares? Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's what we've lost. There used to be this idea that you could coexist even with something that is bad, mm. that you define as bad. Mm-hmm. And we've lost that. I was talking to our Bible study group last night, the Wednesday night Bible study at Canton First Baptist Church and every other Baptist church in the world. <laughs> so we were talking about the, the way that humanity viewed God in Exodus, mm. or really most of the Old, Old Testament. There's like henotheism, where there's like, and I use I use high school mascots to illustrate it. Like, so we're in Canton, our mm-hmm. God is the bear. Ah, okay. You're in Tuscola, your God is the mountaineer. You're in Inca, your God is the jet, whatever. Okay. And so if I travel to Waynesville, God stops at my the bear stops at the border and now mm. I'm in the land of the mountaineer. So I better please the mountaineer. You know? mm. So a, a regional kind of God yeah. understanding. We have this idea that God has always been seen as one ultimate thing and there can be no other thing, mm. but that's new. Mm. It's very new. That's like 
after the fall of Rome knew. You I mean, lose sight of the mystery of God how when so? you do that. Oh, yeah, when you decide that you have all yes. the answers? Yes. Yeah. But when we lost sight of that, the mystery and the idea that other things can exist, and I'm not saying that, you know, you should go get an Ashtaroth pole and put it in your backyard. <laughs> nah. But I am saying that when you don't allow for mystery and you don't allow for the fact that other ideas exist, you also lose sight of the fact that we can coexist. Mm. We can exist and and even, dare I say it, be friends with those who disagree with us. Right. And politics seems to be the focus on this, but I think it it is that's a symptom. Mm. I don't think it's the cause. Uh, I think it's just our human nature and and whatever we're becoming as a species to just have to be right all yeah. the time. Um, but politically, um, we we've turned our politics into our religion, mm. and so I don't know. It's just it's sickening. It is. It's a mess. So you, all right. So listeners decide if you worship the R or the D. <laughs> and then go find someone who worships the other god uh-huh. and kill them. Please don't kill someone and then call the cops and tell them I told you to do it. Anyway. Anyway. Um, circling back around. I don't know how we got there. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, 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 yeah, getting rid of the, the past, but yes. not really. Um, so I was in a group zoom call a couple weeks ago that um our united methodist bishop of our conference popped onto it and was talking to us about what he calls first churches Mm -hmm. which are churches downtown you're in one i am in one. and you work in one well you too no no yeah you're sitting in one and you work okay gotcha so um you know we were talking about the gift of first churches and just kind of the challenges that come with that too and one of the things he said that I've just thought kind of applied here too is how can we use what was to help us live more faithfully into the future? Because first churches have a lot of nostalgia for the past. Yeah. um, And it may not be reality anymore, but how can we take what was good about the past and use it to help us live into the future? Which, circling back to Scripture, you know, Paul's not saying throw out the law, but how can you use those things to live more faithfully for Jesus Christ? Yeah. Uh, so what, what examples are some first church things? Or were you, I have some, but uh, what do you think as far as using our traditions, the things we've always been good at? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not really sure yet. Oh, still. About it. Right, well, <laughs> I'm still yeah. processing that conversation. I actually, it's not that, you know, I just came up with it now. We haven't talked about this idea before now, but I happen to already be thinking about something along these lines. Um, most, of the, most of these established churches have been doing Christmas Eve services like um, forever. Yeah. And a lot of your newer churches haven't. Mm-hmm. Uh, now this year's Christmas Eve is on a Sunday, so it's kind of an aberration. But um, like those traditional kind of things, mm. you, we can get away with 
following lectionary, doing yeah. uh, All Saints Day, mm-hmm. things like that, that, you know, the church that's only been around for 10 years and may have more young folks, whatever, um, and may sing a different kind of music or whatever, they can't really get away with that. Yeah. Um, we can lean back on our tradition and appeal to people that miss that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's Those are a couple, a couple things. Location. Yeah. That's another thing that we have. Mm-hmm. That's an advantage. Like we are right in the heart of these various towns. Most of your first churches are. So, I mean, those are things you can lean into. Those are just some things that I've been thinking of. Hmm. Um, you know, Pinnacle does a lot. They do. I'm not talking junk about no. them. But they're hard to get to, you know. Yeah. I mean, they're I've never hard. been to their building. Me neither. <laughs> I, I know every we single member you, of their Pinnacle. staff. <laughs> yes. And I'm friends with Heath. And I'm friends with Caleb. And I'm not that good of friends with the rest, but I know them. Um, I don't dislike them. No. We just ain't got tight yet. But I've never been in the, in the, in the building. Yeah. So. Anyway. Um, well, I, was, I don't know. I've been to... Crusoe Methodist. It's a little I bit know, out there, I know, that's too. way out Yeah, they kind of had a flood. Yeah. I wouldn't have been there otherwise. Anyway, um, so, yeah, location. Um, the traditions that often I complain about and hate. But they're so beautiful. Are themselves a, a benefit. Yes. Because they're established. Mm-hmm. Now, there are other traditions. Everything led by committee. Oh, my god. That's goodness. got to go. Yeah. Because the church of today and tomorrow has to be nimble mm. or it won't be at all. Right. Um, so what we had to do to get a youth and children's director, which we've only had for a couple weeks now. Um, I mean, we had her, but we just changed her job. Yeah. So, But what we had to do to make that happen was to go ahead a year ago and have the deacons, not even the same deacons that we have now, mm. vote and say, you know, personnel... Hire somebody. Right. Because three times we had someone to do the job that would have been good at it. Mm. Well, two and a half times. Um, And by the time we could get our crap together. They were gone. They were gone. Yeah. Yeah, Because we weren't nimble enough to snatch them up. Mm -hmm. But And so this old 50s style church should be run like a business. Board of this, board of that, committee on yada yada. That's got to go. Mm-hmm. I don't know how Methodists handle that. Oh, we love our committee. You have less than we do, actually. Well, and there was pushback, or not pushback, but several years ago, a lot of churches, and Central included, went to more of a less committee structure. Yeah. Ministry teams. Yeah. I mean, so we have, we call it our leadership team, and it combined what used to be three different committees. So we used to have, like, administrative council which was the governing body of the church Mm -hmm. trustees who did facilities and finance well those three are combined into one now and so you get the people around one table you just have one meeting yeah yeah i mean we still have a separate um staff parish which is like our hr um and we do that because of confidentiality confidentiality um it's much easier now than it used to be. The crazy thing is that, well, I was really asking, you kind of answered my question. Each church gets to choose its own structure. Yeah, I mean, to a degree. So I we have. I was wondering if the, the district set that up. The or whatever. book of discipline lays it all out. I need to get a copy of that. Oh, it's, yeah. I would never read it. No. So the book of discipline lays out committees, but then there's a, like, two sentences in there that says the church in conversation with the district 
can structure the committees differently okay, to cool. fit their needs. I think it's interesting that we don't have like a district hierarchy kind of thing, mm-hmm. but almost every Baptist church, and it's becoming less true, but almost every Baptist church does the same mm-hmm. exact model and it's straight from the 50s. I think it's actually modeled after some church in Atlanta somewhere. Yeah. I don't know. I should probably Who do knows. some research into that. And then about you know two sentences into that research, I'll realize I don't care. And so anyway, but we all, we all follow the same exact model, and it's got to go. All right, so that's a tr- an example that we talked for t- far too long about yeah. of how traditionalism and traditions can hurt. You don't have to you don't have to accept everything that you're handed. Yes. Um and I think that is what Paul is getting at when he talks about not looking back. Mm-hmm. As he talks about pressing to the goal, let's see. Maybe you've already got it, but I don't know where it is. Pressing to the goal. At some point he says not looking back. Mm-hmm. Forgetting what lies behind. Yes. We are in verse 13. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider that I have laid hold of it, but one thing I have laid hold of, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. So I think we should be forward-focused. Yes. We should be excited about and, and directed towards whatever the unknown of the future has in store for us. I think that's where we're going to find God. I think that's where we're going to find that God's interests lie and therefore our should this question of tradition is, and I, th- I think this all gets back to the opening statement of Paul's, like, I'm the Jewiest of the Jews, <laughs> is what what can we take with us from our past mm-hmm. that helps us to move into the future? Yes. And what doesn't, we don't need. Right. It's not that it was worthless. It's that it it's not expedient serve. for now. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't serve the kingdom right now and if we focus so much on what we used to be or in paul's case if he had focused on what he had been in a way we turn religion itself into an idol mm. you know I, i'm the most well, let's just do a baptist I'm the most methodist yeah. of the methodists yeah or the, I, <laughs> what, what, how would you even be the most southern baptist person like you know, i hated all the right people i guess um there's an episode of Family Guy, I think, where I think it was like Jerry Falwell and I don't know, one of the, some other fat white dude. And um, the quote unquote rapture, which is not a biblical concept yeah, no. the way we imagine it, is happening. But we'll talk about that some other time, I'm sure. And everybody else is like floating off, like the left behind version. Everybody's like floating away and they're like, well, what's wrong? We hated all the right people, uh-huh. and yeah. and it's a joke. But but that I mean, that's who we have been, Baptists, and I, I think Methodists had their own share of hating people too. Yeah. But as long as we hated all the right people, defined ourselves by who we weren't, mm. that kind of thing, that was what it meant to be us. And I think those are the kind of things we can leave behind. Yes. As we head into the future. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. As we press towards the goal. Press towards the goal. I'm going to finish the sentence that I started reading. I'm going to start over because I just left it hanging. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider that I have laid hold of it. But one thing I have laid hold of, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on 
towards the goal, towards the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus and what he does not say. He says what he's going towards. Right. It doesn't say what that means when he gets there. Mm. He doesn't define, because who is he to define, what, what it the means. the goal is. Like what the call of God in Christ Jesus is for everyone. Right. And I think that is where we circle back around to what we've been talking about for a long time. Sometimes overtly and sometimes less so. And that is the call of God in Christ Jesus is not a Baptist thing. It is not a Methodist thing. It is mm-hmm. an individual thing. And so the problem I have, and I'm going to have a big problem with in June, is who are we as a denomination, as a collection of people, as Paul, to say who God can call to do what? Mm. And um, I think that tragically, we look at Paul's writings and say, see there, it says, women be quiet in church. <laughs> women don't teach men. Whatever verse du jour you have for your misogyny. If, and you say, well, Paul said it. You notice right here, Paul refuses to define who Jesus can call to do what. Hmm. And so to use Paul, I think it's to take him out of context, of course, which is like all we ever do, probably me included. But I think it's to, I guess, take the name of Paul in vain to say that Paul says God can't. Because mm. this, is, this is Paul's words refusing to say what God can what and can't do is. with a call. Yeah. So I, I think it's incredibly individualistic. So here's one moment wherein I celebrate Paul. <laughs> Hey. Yeah. Doesn't happen often. <laughs> no. I've left you speechless. You have. No, I was just thinking about that whole idea of pressing on towards something. And um, John Wesley preached a sermon about this, using this passage about Christian, what he called perfection, mm-hmm. which is not the same as what we think of as perfection. Not that you're perfect. That which is without flaw. Right. Uh, For John Wesley, perfection was being full of the love of God and living your life out that way. Loving perfectly. Loving perfectly, yes. I like that. Yeah. Um, And we believe as Methodists that we are moving towards that. Meaning that's just... Because you're a Methodist, no, you believe no, no, that, no. or no. right now you think because of whatever's going on, you no, think that. No, I mean that? that's part of Wesley's theology okay. is that you when that as Christians we are moving on in this process towards perfection, towards loving perfectly. So does the Methodist Church define when you have reached perfect love? I don't think they do. Because the Baptists don't even try. <laughs> and, and maybe that's to our benefit. Because, um, and I don't, I don't know that any of us should. Because, no. um, I, who are we to say? Mm-hmm. I think there, there needs to be some humility. And here, not always, but here, Paul seems to have it, where we have to just stop short of making rigid definitions, because we aren't God. And maybe we get to know at some point, maybe we don't. But um, 
only God can def- certainly define perfection. But I think even, especially if you look at it, like a John version of God, God is love. Mm-hmm. I think only God can say what is loving perfectly. Yeah, but, I don't, I'm not sure we as humans can fathom what that looks like. Yeah, yeah. But and why limit perfect love to what we can imagine? Yeah. So, uh, having said all of that, I don't think we should stop trying because um, let's say that we fall short. Well, at least we try to be more loving than we were otherwise. Yes. Yeah. All right. So this has been Pastor Potluck. Uh, one thing before we break uh, we don't come to conclusions here you can do that yourself um one thing before we break is um peter has resurfaced he's he ran around the world for two months because he somehow was able to pull that off um and good for him but he, one of the first things he told me first he said hey let's go to lunch i said okay great we'll go to lunch and at said lunch, one of the first things out of his mouth is, so um, I really want to go hunting with you again. So we'll probably get, that was like a big show. We did the Peter Learns to Hunt episode. So we'll probably do a revisit to that at some point. I don't foresee a world in which Erin goes hunting, but no. she's always welcome if she would like to. Um, and I've certainly enjoyed having you be a part of the show, and I, I hope that that continues yeah. very often. Thank you. All right, for Pastor Potluck, I'm Court Green. And I'm Erin Yao. And we will see you, not see you, we will yell at you later. (laughs)